With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, let's just, I'm not even joking when I say this. Let's just start this. I am supremely irritable today. I see that. Could you tell that? You couldn't even hear me, but you could tell that by my body language. 100%. Yeah. Woke up with a just a random killer headache, and I just just yeah didn't sleep well. It's one of the, just one of those days. I I I always I'm oh yeah I'm great great feel great. So anyway, not today. Oh, today's not a good day. So I'm gonna let you do a lot of the talking, and then Van too. We got Thomas Vanek coming on, but you already knew that. But I was telling the people that are listening, and they already well, you know, know what they clicked on the link and it says Thomas Vanek. So I don't even know why I have to say that. I don't even know why I have to say the episode. I've never understood that. Put the episode. Put the put the put the name of the like. Wow. Yeah, it's not good. Day, this man. is gonna be a treat today. Well, you know, my son's but I, off. I get my it. son's get off school for just you know terrible reason. One of the parents, one of the the teachers at school. Yeah, when you think you're having a bad day, like one of the teachers at his school, their son went to bed last week and did not wake up. In their twenties, so jeez, oh, yeah. So he's off today. The whole, all the parents or all the teachers are going to the wake or memorial or funeral or whatever. So he's he's off too. So it's just kind of like now I got the kid at home too, right? So it's not a bad thing, but it's just it's yeah. not normal for this time of day. Yeah, no, that's 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 tough to hear, right? Yeah, here yeah, I am complaining really about my headache, but yeah, that's shitty, man. I couldn't, I could not even imagine. When I heard that, I was just like, you gotta be fucking kidding. Like that's uh, just that's my biggest nightmare, Riff. You know, like my biggest nightmare is something happening to the kids, man. That's just that's that's my biggest nightmare. And I can't even imagine what that lady's living with right now. Yeah. So anyway, sorry to start on a damp on a damper note, but that's yeah, my day. Well, that's listen, my morning. I mean, I mean, uh life is is uh life's a struggle sometimes i mean you're not always feeling a hundred percent and i could see as soon as i got on the on the call with you that uh that there was something up today and totally understand it um tough to hear what uh what you're saying i uh, our, my condolence go, goes out to uh you know brody's teacher and um you know? Yeah, I don't. I don't even know. I, I know. Shame on me. I don't even know the teacher's name. I, it's not his teacher. It's the kindergarten teacher. But he was in kindergarten at the school too. So yeah, yeah. It's just what uh, I I couldn't even imagine. Um, well, you know what? Uh, I I got an I got another conversation for you. Well, first, how are you feeling? Yeah, because you were out last night. Are you all right? Uh, yeah, I feel great. Okay. But I'll, I'll I'll tell you this: we 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 had a very quick conversation about this before we get going on our Sabers talk and you know their big massive four one win and you know riding the pony. Um, I I I've just gotta I've gotta stay on the life the life thing what we're talking about right now. And uh, I I said to you the other day, um, 
and and the people that are listening to this, you, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. The other day, I was trying to find a number in my phone, okay? And uh, I just could not remember the person's name, but I, I, I could remember his face, okay? So I'm, I, I cannot remember his name, so I can't, I can't uh, send the, the text or whatever out to him. So what I do is I go through my phone, and I start at A. And I start scrolling down through my phone slowly, A, A, all the way through B and C and all the way down through my phone. And at the very end of it, I found the guy's name, which was great. But what I realized at that moment in time, there are so many people I need to eliminate from my life. <laughs> and I'm going to do it. Oh I'm going God. to do it. I could and, be in the and, perfect mood for this conversation today, to be yeah. honest with you. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I am not about baggage. I'm about being in a good mood. I'm about being around people that I love and I care about. And, uh, you know, there's so much baggage out there. I, I looked at my phone and I'm like, I'm gassing 50% of these numbers. Because well, I haven't you, talked to you, certain people. There's certain numbers. You clean it phone. out? You cleaned out the phone? Have I cleaned it out? Like the contacts? Hell yeah. Yeah, you did, eh? Gone. Oh, how and good it, does that feel? I can't even tell you. I can't tell you because um, it's just a, it, it, it's just to clean things out and not have, you know, well, I, I'm unnecessary... <laughs> numbers in there and i don't know if you feel the same way but well, i just so cleaned I feel it right the same out. way craig i'm i'm like six years ahead of you yeah you're you're older than i am but i'm six years ahead of you when it comes to this i went through my phone at a specific point in my life and i went through every contact and i said to myself would i answer their phone call simple as that would i answer their phone call and the answer for a vast majority of people in my phone the answer was no no, the answer is no. I just eliminated so many people. It's called trimming the fat off your life. And, you know, like people that have sunk their meat hooks into you over the years and just, you know, wanted something or just people that you just don't talk to anymore. I mean, it's like, why do we yeah. hang on to these contacts? No disrespect and, for a lot of these people. It's no, just, and I, uh, I will. Yeah, disrespect I won't for, talk a lot to them. for some of these people for me, but no disrespect for some of them, too. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely disrespect. Are you kidding me? And um, yeah, so I, I mean, that's that's basically what I did, and and I it was a very liberating feeling. Yeah, to it, to just agree. you know just know that. Yeah, yeah I, look, I mean, I've changed my number so many times, <laughs> and you know, you send out the mass text of "Hey, new number." Yeah. Well, how many how many people don't make the cut? It's like a wedding list. It really is. It's, you know, it's like, a, you know, how many people don't make the cut? And it's like, you know, there's just, it's like, ah, nope, nope, no need for them. No need for them. No need for them. You know, it's, but I get it. Good for you. It's just, there was a, go ahead. I was going to tell you, know, you I'm that, 48 years old, I'm 48 years old. And I've accumulated a tremendous amount of numbers over the years, all the way moving back to Montreal. And, and, uh, for me, it's just I went through those numbers and I just could not believe the amount of numbers 
that any I, teammates that I got rid any of. teammates get axed? Um, yeah, <laughs> but no disrespect to again, no disrespect to them. I will never speak to the those you know a, a few of those guys ever again. It's just uh, you know our our paths crossed in a certain time in our lives, and and now I have numbers in my in my phone where I haven't talked to guys in you know well over a decade, and it's I will never talk to them again. And for me, it's just, I felt it was liberating to clean up. It felt like I was cleaning up my life a little bit and uh, not that it needs to be cleaned up, but uh, it felt good. It felt yeah. really good. It felt like my phone was lighter, felt like my head was lighter and uh, it felt really good to clean things up. So that's, so, that's all I had. So uh, I'm not a philosopher, but I love hearing great philosophies. You know, someone that has a good perspective on, on, things like this, exactly this conversation. And my dad and I were watching a documentary one time. I was over there a couple of years ago, maybe three, it was before COVID. And it's amazing how that's like a timeline in people's lives before COVID. Hey, but anyway, this was before COVID. And we were watching this documentary about this world-renowned chef who only cooks on wood fires. Okay. Like in, and he lives in Patagonia. So he does, he lives off the, not off the land, but he lives on an island. He has a wood burning stove, wood like cooks everything on fire. I think his name is Francis. Oh, I got it's a Francis uh, Melman or Malman or Melman or something like that. Anyway, he had a a great philosophy on friendship. He's an older guy, and he said, and, and I'll never forget this. This this is this goes along exactly with what you just said he ran into an old friend that he used to spend so much time with. Okay. They did a lot of great things together and they lost touch like for, for this is 20 some odd years. And, and finally they kind of reconnected and he said, you know, what happened? What happened to our friendship? You know, we were such good friends. And then all of a sudden, like kind of nothing. And he's like, well, there are times in people's lives. And he said, this is what I told him. There are times in people's lives where you look at that, that section of your life. I'm paraphrasing here. And you appreciate the times that you had with that person, but you grow in separate ways. You change. Yeah. People evolve and they change. I am not yes. the same person I was when I was 25. I'm not the same person I was when I was 39 and I'm 42. People always change. Their interests change. Their their priorities change, which is probably the top thing. Your priorities change. And he basically said, I will always cherish those memories and you will always be a special person in my yep. life. But but we don't have the same interests anymore. I don't have the same common interests or values that you do. You chose one thing. I chose another. And let's just appreciate and, and reflect on a great time that we had once upon a time. Well and, said. Right. Well and said. I sat there and I remember I was with my dad. I was like, holy shit. I've never heard anybody describe a person's evolution and, and friendship in the same sentence and discuss it like that. I mean, it was, it was a brilliant perspective. It was a great philosophy. And it goes along with, with what you're saying. That's, that's what you did. You know, you, you cut ties with, with a lot with some of your past. And I'll tell you what, it's a great thing to do. Trust me. <laughs> trust, yeah. trust me you know what i mean but yep anyway oh it's good that's that's funny shit because uh 
I remember, and I don't want to go too long on this, but it's such an amazing conversation because we all have cell phones. Everybody has contacts. Everybody has people in their phone. They just want to say they have in their phone. Okay. And they don't want to delete that contact. And, you know, I, I sit and I remember, I remember in my twenties when I played hockey, you know, like you felt obligated at times to give your number out to people. And I would give my number out to someone. And I remember if they called or texted and I would find out that it was them. Cause I wouldn't take their number. I would just give them my number. And then I would, I would figure it out if they ever reached out. Right. So yeah. I had ignore, ignore one, ignore two, <laughs> ignore three. I had people titled under, I didn't know their names. I just had them under ignore because I was like, oh, if they call, they just don't answer it. <laughs> now you can block them. This is back with the old flip phones where I didn't know yeah. if you could even block them. And now you can block contacts, but if you're going to block a contact. Why even have the fucking contact? Makes no sense. So anyway, great conversation, Riff. Well, you know what I'm going to tell you? I know it was a little slow start for you this morning. You sound a lot better. And uh, I'm happy that you're back. Look at look at the smile <laughs> on your face. This is great. Maybe that's what Listen, you do to me. Maybe that's what, what I want to do. <laughs> know what I want to do. Uh, first of all, I'm going to apologize to everybody listening for that. Uh, uh, you know, blubbering for the last 15 minutes on on uh, that topic of really. Uh, Why are you apologizing? Okay, I, I don't know. Maybe people are just like, well, really? No, um, everybody, every single person tell you, that year that is listening feels that way. Let's take the opportunity to bring in Thomas. Vanek. Is he ready? He's ready to go. He's hungry. Well, all right. He's excited. That is snow. Yes. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Not not how I wanted to wake up this morning. I'm gonna tell I was you, man, totally that, joking. If no, I it's, it's snow. If I woke up to that, I would have been <laughs> in really bad shape today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Too early for that crap. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for the snow. I know it's coming. Like, yeah. like, listen, I mean, I remember trick-or-treating when I was a kid, okay, up in North Bay. I remember got the greatest costume of all time, and I've got to wear a winter jacket and a toque going, like, how are people supposed to see my excellence? I can, <laughs> They can't see it at, at all. I can still remember that. I it, It literally scars me to this day that it snowed and i'm not talking we're not talking a fresh little layer here we're talking like we had snow boots it was like you know half a foot to a foot of snow trouncing around on halloween i'll never forget that but yeah i know i i know exactly what you mean i know when my boys were smaller and it was like that in buffalo or here in many or wherever we lived and they got their costumes ready and we're like dude this is not how you can go outside they're like what do you mean i'm like you need a jacket you need hats you need a glove all yeah. this stuff. And they're like, this is a joke. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. I never even thought about that. And I, why you live there, Van? You can live anywhere you want. Well, the twins are in uh, sixth grade. So I got about six more years here and then I'll be out of here. Yeah. Where are you going? Where are you going? I don't know. Somewhere, somewhere where it's not like this in October. I mean, you're going to come back Arizona. to Buffalo. uh maybe to visit more often that's for sure hey listen wherever you go just build a fucking carriage house okay (laughs) and (laughs) you're welcome anytime and i'll 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 be there how's everything going man how was your summer we haven't we haven't had you on we gave you a little break hockey season nothing going on how how are you 
I'm great. Summer was good. Uh, a little bit downtime the last month and about a week and a half ago, we all started with hockey again, coaching the boys. I'll be coaching high school, my older son this year as well. So things are starting to ramp up, which is good. Busy is good. Jesus, that's got to be a schedule. It's fine. I mean, it's, again, I like being busy. It's better than not doing anything. I did listen to uh, Gio's little youth hockey story and um, made me Have chuckle. you ever had any stories like that? No. You know what? I have. I, I completely understand when people say youth hockey is crazy and this and this. But to me, it's still, how, how, what do you want out of it? And what do I want out of it? And this. And I have my parent meeting right away on day one. And I just lay it out. I'm a volunteer coach. I love it. I'm passionate for it. Don't yell in. If you have any questions, call me. And the years I've coached so far, it's been great. I mean, I do see it on the other side, coaches yelling in and parents yelling in, but those things I can't control. But uh, my teams, my parents have been great in the years I've coached. So I got no complaints. How's uh, high school hockey in Minnesota? It's pretty exceptional hockey, isn't it? It's good. I mean, you obviously you see, you see the guys who make it out of Minnesota, and most well, we got Mister Minnesota right here, Casey Middlestad. Right. I mean, he played high school hockey all the way until he graduated, and then went to uh, the U of M. So it is good. The only problem is it's a very short season, so we don't start till about middle of November because we have to wait until football ends. So the boys who uh, don't play football like my son, they just kind of skate and get ready for the season. Wow. So it's not like a so tier what, one schedule. But you guys, you guys, so understanding the landscape of, of how things go throughout the United States. So you technically do not start in Minnesota because you're, you're, you're territory, right? Like you need to play in your territory. You can't go and, and drive to a, you know, a, a team that's an all-star team. The all-star teams happen in September and October where, where Minnesota uh, sends these ungodly high-end hockey teams to all these tournaments and they absolutely kick the crap out of everybody because they're, they're, they're high-end all-star teams that are made up mm-hmm. of the top kids from Minnesota and they come and play in these tournaments and they beat everybody. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I'm new to this youth hockey about, you know, three years now. So uh, I'm learning things. But the one thing I do learn about Minnesota, not everything is perfect, but it's a great state for kids because there's no tier one. We're not allowed to play tier one. The only tier one school or school team that's allowed in Minnesota is Shattuck St. Mary's. Yeah. Besides that, starting after Labor Day, kids in the youth program have to play in the district they live in. And it's great because the travel is 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 40 minutes. But how does that work? Have, Do you have kids that like move to different different uh, areas to play on certain teams? They do, but it, it doesn't happen as much as you would think. I mean, you know, in high school, it happens a little bit more. If you're in a smaller, you know, district, then if it's a really good player, he would move or he would just go to private school. But uh, as far as until Bantams, you know, until you're 16 years old, 15, 16, you're playing in your district, your association, and it's great. We have two out-of-town tournaments. They're usually, from where I live, about two hours, three hours away, and that's it. That's our travel, and I love it because, obviously, I have friends like you guys and other friends living all over the country that play Tier 1, 
And boy, oh boy, would I hate that. I mean, that's a quite the schedule. I mean, that's, that's travel. That's, that's airplanes. very demanding. That's why I said to you, that's got to be a schedule. I didn't know anything about Minnesota hockey until you just said that. Cause I look at Riv's life. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I don't Riv. I'm not saying this disrespectfully. Yeah, it's just, you have a kid well, that plays in elite level hockey and that's what is required for those teams to compete and get exposure. I didn't realize that. Well, man. it sucks. It sucks here in Buffalo because we don't have, we don't have enough high end players to make a league. So if you're in Toronto, you're playing in the GTHL and you're playing in, uh, you know, an outstanding uh, league, you know, or you're playing in Southern Ontario where there, there's, there's areas of teams that are made up. It's high-end hockey here in Buffalo. We're an independent team. So all of our games, we don't play league, really league games. We play, everything is ultimately an exhibition game or tournament stuff. And, right. No, uh, I, 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 it just, it's a lot of travel. We're all over the place. It is. It's a full-time job for, and, and that's, and I think that's where people think and assume, and it's probably right that man, hockey is crazy, but the same goes for soccer. The same goes for this. I mean, yeah. I've had well, opportunities. Listen, I mean, Brian Gianta know. has a 14 year old daughter who's exceptional at soccer. Okay. Last year, like he, I'm talking to him. I, I, I gave him a call, he picks up the phone. I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm just in Dallas. Like, what are you doing there? He goes, Leah's playing soccer. I'm Holy like, they're traveling shit, all man. over the country with with her 14U soccer team. Well, they have so, to because you know why? In the winter, they can't play. They can't play here, so they have to go to Dallas. Well, they're yes, all over the place, right? They're playing all year round, pretty much. Yeah. And you know, I mean, listen, I mean, hockey's hockey's no different than than all these other super high end sports. Right. It's just, I, I still don't think, I mean, is it really necessary? I mean, I, I understand your point of you're in Buffalo. There's not too many high end, but I mean, the, the, the travels with some of these kids and the amount of school they miss, it's crazy to me. I mean, sometimes we play a local tournament and they start Friday morning and it drives me nuts. I have to take out my kid out of school to go play a, a game at 9 a.m. I'm like, it, it's just, I don't know. Again, we have it pretty good, so I can't complain because... Again, like I said, uh, my league games or my scrimmages are within 30 minutes. So it's been, uh, uh, that's it's been great. good. You've been watching any of the start of the NHL? I have. Yeah, it's been um, it's been good. Watched uh, not all of the Sabres game, but I would say most of it. They look good. I mean, I know Buffalo won four to one, but I'm blown away at the speed from top to bottom with four lines, six defensemen. Everybody in this league can skate now. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the new NHL, right? I mean, I think it started even when I finished my career the last four or five years. Everyone went to speed, but the hockey IQ for the most part went out of the window. I mean, the only team that really still plays the old old way is is the Bruins because they have older guys that can think the game. They they pass the game and they look terrific in game one, in my opinion. That that's that's the way you play hockey. No, I was just gonna say it's amazing you say that because we were watching the game together last night, Riv and I, and you know, we were talking about it and all these plays, like like Darlene's play to help him to help bring it up the ice to score that score his goal. Like he he toe drags right in front of his own goalie. You know, you have guys making toe drags one on three. <laughs> like it's just there's no there's no decision making out there. But I mean Darlene's worked out, but I mean other plays, it's like one on three. Darlene's the guys wasn't, to a, wasn't an egregious like one on one toe drag. He was kind of 
coming at a guy and basically changed directions. And it happened to be where he had to pull the puck kind of like a toe drag, but he, he shot up the ice, like a, like a cannon moving his feet um, enters, you know, just into the offensive zone, kicks it out to, uh, you know, I think it was, um, I think it was Krebs. No, I think it was, it was Krebs first. And then he dropped it to, to Oki. And then there was like a cycle where Krebs ended behind the net and Oki started to drive down, moves at the Krebs. Krebs has his head up. Darlene's still in the play. He's standing in front of the net, which I'm like, well, what's he doing there? But now he, he has a, a, a tap in a beautiful play by uh, Peyton Krebs and it's, and it's a goal. And I, I mean, the skill set and the puck movement of these guys, like I'm looking at the goal, like, and I have to get your opinion on guys like Jack Quinn, what your thoughts were guys like um, JJ Paterka, um, Owen powers. These are, these are rookies that are getting an opportunity to show their stuff. And I'm going to tell you, Peyton, uh, JJ Paterka last night scored a nice goal with a a beautiful uh, puck moving play with, with Dylan cousins last night. And I mean, a lot of confidence can be uh, can be gained from a, a, a young um, offensive player when you when you bury in your first game. Oh, 100 percent. I think that that kid, I was impressed with him probably the most. I think the, the, the guy who came away, I thought who was the best player on the ice, which is crazy, was Anderson. I don't if he doesn't play the first half of the game as well as he did. I think that's a four nothing game. And, and the conversation is probably a little bit different today. Is that good for the Sabres that a 41-year-old played as well as he did? I think it's great. But let me ask you, it's like I've, I've been listening, as you guys know. Uh, who, who did the Sabres sign in that this year and gave him a two-year deal? Comrie. And you were pretty high on him, right? Uh, he was. He is basically uh, a backup. I'm happy that they didn't go out and spend an absolute uh, outrageous amount of money. Um but he was he's he's going to be like a stopgap goaltender. I mean, he's uh, you know, Anderson is is uh, you know, he's got what how many years left in him? Like, so where where were you going? Where were you going with last that, year? man? Well, and my I whole think- point is right. You signed a younger guy. I mean, I watched Comrie a little bit because they they're in the wild division with Winnipeg, and I like them. But that's probably not a good sign because usually your game one starter is your projected starter. Wouldn't that be on opening night? Isn't that correct? Usually? Yes. So and I also, I, not, that's not know, a good sign that a 41 year old beat out a guy who just signed on a two year deal. In my opinion, do you think it has anything to do with, um, you know, Comrie in, in the games that he played in the preseason, he didn't bode very well, but he was also put in a tough position because the lineups that he was playing with were not very strong. And the line, the lineups that he played against were strong. Um, he did not have uh, a great preseason, but that being said, it, it's, you know, Anderson is a calming influence on a, on a very emotional game. I'm not sure they wanted to give the, the, you know, the, the whole cart to to Comrie, where I think that Anderson would have channeled that that energy. He's been, he's been a lot easier. Yeah, before. he's been That's through like, it a lot. Right? Is that what you're saying, Van? Or yeah. uh, no, no, I, I, exactly I, it. Yeah, okay. No, I, I get that. But again, I mean, preseason hockey is a joke, right? I, I don't think coaches judge on preseason games. I think they judge on 
how well the guys practice, you know, and, and this so obviously tells me that a little bit of both. What, what you're saying is, you know, here's a 41 year old who's been there, done that, and he was great. But at the same time, it, it's probably that Comrie hasn't looked good in, in the games and probably in practice as well. But I mean, is, is that is the game last night sustainable? I don't know. I mean, they didn't. Well, Anderson stopped how many breakaways? Right. Four. Like, I, I mean, listen, I mean, we can all sit here and be like, this is the greatest thing ever because we won four to one. No, we didn't. We didn't win four to one. We had Victor Olson, who was uh, relatively quiet the whole night, scored two right. open net goals. So the game was actually a two one hockey game. Um, my 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 biggest concern was how many breakaways that they that they gave up. I mean, and, and Anderson saved them. Yeah, like this game I, could have been very, very, very different. If oh, for sure, I mean, you know, one or two, you know, you got Stitzel who's in on a breakaway, and he and he and he doesn't score. And how about that one five on three? They missed like two or three backdoor plays that could have been tapping. Yes. Like there were legit chances there. Exactly, yeah, I mean, open yeah. net, open nets that the guy yeah, just yeah. couldn't get a stick on the puck, and uh, the game could have been very different. I don't, th- I don't think that uh, Ottawa played their best game. What do you guys think? I thought they were just a little off in, in, in some of the things that they were doing. They got lulled to sleep a little bit by the Sabres, but I mean, it's a great win. I'm not taking anything away from this win. I don't, I don't care how it's a long, long, long season. And it's really, and I mean, really good to win the first game of the year, especially at home. I agree. I think uh, you take any win, you know, over, I mean, yes, you guys know over 82 games, your goal is going to have to steal you some. And I thought he did that yesterday. I think there are some good glimpses. I thought Darlene, I mean, you, you love him. I, I like him. I mean, I, I come, you make a comparison with Makar. It's not even close. I mean, it's not close in my opinion, the, 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 the speed, the decision-making, the way he, Makar snaps the puck, I don't think the lean is close to any of that. Do I like him? I do like him. Well, how many how many players, how many defensemen are close to Kale Makar? Like he he kind of is a an but, outlier. But I think what Van's saying is that you compare him, you've com- compared his his value to the team like a Kale Makar, and I think what Van's saying to you is that it's not even close. So your comparison okay. is horseshit. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I mean, there's no Makar. So I think that the next one is probably, you know, um, uh, Headman and then Fox. And then like a Yossi, like you think Yossi, you think yes. that uh, Rasmus Who, for, for Darlene, is... like, wh- are we, why not? Uh, who's the kid in Dallas there? Um, Heiskanen. Heiskanen. Yeah. I mean, what about, uh, like, is there any chance that Darlene isn't any better than the guy that was in Dallas and signed in Anaheim that you talked about yesterday, Riv? Who's, who is that? Klingberg. How, could he not just be a Klingberg? And that, I think that's, that's probably a way better comparison. That's a really good, uh, that's a really good NHL defenseman. But I heard you say the other day, you know, this, I mean, especially after all these extensions, is there a new one, by the way, today? Anyone else sign <laughs> after last night's win? <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyways, I heard you say Deline is coming up and what's he going to be an eight or $10 million? I mean, are you nuts? I, I mean, I, I what I don't you don't think it. that he's got what, what kind of numbers are you talking about? I, I mean, I, again, I mean, it's, I understand the league I've, I've you guys played, but it's not all about points. I mean, at the same time, I know the goal he scored was was a beautiful individual play and then some nice given goals. But at the end of the game, then he coughed it up and it was a quick, 
two and one, and it should have been a tie game if if Stuchla doesn't um, fan on that. I mean, that's those are the ones that doesn't show up at the end of the year when you have fifty five points, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh man, Banner. I mean, you're you're coming in hot this morning. It's eh? it's, like, it's, it's, it's a wonderful hot. thing, man. Because <laughs> listen, listen, I've. Uh, it's just, it's a nice reality because we sit here with these rose colored glasses on here in Buffalo and talk about the, the young guys and everything. And you know, oh, we have Darlene, he's putting up points. And I, you know, like I don't necessarily feel comfortable pointing out deficiencies in this game. Like, who the fuck am I? But when you come on here and you bring up these points, it just, it, it makes me think differently. Because I sit here and I just, I assume it's like you look around the league, fuck, he's going to get nine, ten million million, $10 but he's going to get paid a shit ton of money because they have to pay him a shit ton of money because they have to make it look shinier than it really is. Because you're not going to go and say, well, we really only think you're a $6 million defenseman. Mm-hmm. So, And he is, he is, and he's going to get paid and as he should, because he is a stud, but he's not in that, that top level. So Again, and that, that's hard, right? Because everything goes by points. But somehow, if you can get him in an eight-year deal around seven, I think he, that's, that oh, is really good man, because you do what you not, have to. That is nowhere near, nowhere near um, what he's going to ask for. What he's going to ask for. Exactly. But reality is, if you pay him nine, now you paid that Samuelson four, eventually those numbers are crunch, right? I mean, it's, it's not gonna work. Listen, I mean, you're, you're talking like we can talk about, you know, Darlene and talk about his deficiencies in his game. And I think the deficiencies in his game are there. Okay. Some of the things that defensively he, he needs to improve on. I think he has gotten better. Okay. He is going to continue to grow. He's still very young. Okay. He's still, what he just turned 22 he just turned 22 years old that's extremely young player in this league okay Mm -hmm. i just look at there's there's players in in the market that's around you know kale mccarr signed a six-year deal for what nine million pd which i think is i think right now looking at kale mccarr as of right now is is an absolute steal another colorado steal because in in three years from now Four years from now, that's going to be a deal where Kale McCarr should be making much more than that because he's going to outgrow that contract. So it's a great contract. But there's there's players around the league that had set the market for players like Rasmus Dahlin. And that's guys like Zach Wierenski from uh, Columbus Blue Jackets who's making uh, over $9.5 million. Mm-hmm. They're very similar type players. They're point producers for their team. Um you know, they're, they're minute eaters. I look at Seth Jones in, in, uh, in, in Chicago, Seth Jones, you're like, oh, well, he's, he's a lot better defender than Darlene. No, he wasn't. He was minus 37 last year in Chicago. I mean, it's a shitty stat. That's a shitty, shitty stat. I I won the plus minus one year. I was really good defensive player. I mean, I was right. Well, no, you, you, I, I was forced a lot. I was, you I produced was, yeah, a lot offensively. Sure, but plus minus, throw that out the window. I mean, when I you're one of the better that, players you're on talking a shitty about a contract. Team, right, but that, that's not, you, you can't, I mean. So all those years when Rasmus Dahlin is, or uh, Rasmus Ristolainen here in Buffalo was like minus 250 in eight years, that 
let's throw that out the window. Well, I mean, was he was he part of all 250 minuses? I mean, again, that that's where. But again, well, what did what did Rasmus Ristolainen and sign for? Did he sign for eight or nine million? No, he didn't. Five or six. Five, or five, like four, I think. Oh, was it? Yeah, it might have been more. That's five. Now four. with Philly, five, four. But I think he was at like, was he? He wasn't at five with Buffalo, was he? Yeah, he was. I at, think he might have been. He was at was five, four. Five. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. But I just look, I look at Darlene is number one overall pick. That's going to be it's going to be carrying around. Uh, people know about it. He's he's a point producing guy. He's put up really good numbers in his in his sh- very short career. OK, he's only played four years in the league and he's and he's putting up 40 to 50 points a year. I mean, there's going to be a point in time when Rasmus Darlene, the team gets better. The team's more dynamic. The team mm-hmm. has more snipers and better players where Darlene's not going to be a 40, 50 point guy. He's going to be a 65 point guy. And, you know, he's going to be doing less defending, less defending because the team's going to be stronger. Well, I mean, that's and that's and I, I completely can see that. But I think a part of it is is coaching as well. Right. I mean. Why is he on the ice sometimes when he shouldn't be, in my opinion? I mean, he's does he have to kill penalties? Can't can't Labushkin and and you know the bottom four eat some ice there and let him focus and just be the power play guy, start in the ozone 60-70% of the time. I mean, yep. that's yep. that's coaching to me. And that's the same thing with with Thompson. I mean, because I think I, right now, Vanner, I think right now is they are trying to they're trying to give the opportunity of a lifetime to a player and they're hoping that they take advantage of it. They want Rasmus Dahlin to be like a Nicholas Lindstrom that plays in every, every area of the game and plays exceptionally well at it. He's a elite power play guy. He's well, even I, even I know from the guy. cheapest seats that that's not going to happen. Well, listen, I mean, what they're, what they're doing is they're allowing him time. They're allowing him time, you know, to to hopefully grow into a role where he's not just a really good defenseman, but he's a super elite defenseman. And the offensive side of things, he will be in an elite category. But in order to be an elite overall defenseman is you have to be as good offensively. You have to be you have to be excellent defensively. And right now, that's what they're giving opportunity to. Rasmus Dahlin to hopefully him, you know, learning and, and, and becoming a really good defender. Now, is that going to happen? He's still very young, you know, at, at age 24, 25, if he's still in the same position, making the same mistakes, I think you, I think you, you realize what you have, but I think he's still learning right now. He's still very young. 20, a 22 year old defenseman is still learning in this league a lot. I do agree. But at the same time, like I said, and, and coaching matters, coaching matters a ton. And then to me, it's you, you put guys in a situation to succeed and not to fail. And sometimes I feel like I'm watching this game and I'm like, why is he out there? He, why, why is he on the first PK? There's no reason. That's not a learning. Why learn? Like go, go get confidence, start in the ozone, start every power play, which he does. And let him focus on that. And once once his confidence grows, then maybe you start, you know, putting him the second half of a PK, the last 20 seconds of a PK. That's how I see it, because you can't force greatness. He's, he's not a Nicholas Lindstrom. And, and he doesn't then it have also, that size. He doesn't have that stick. He doesn't. 
but then he's he can an consume unbelievable his energy from what he's what he's you know putting out on the on the penalty kill to have more energy for you know five on five and power play. I mean that makes a difference. If it's three minute three minutes in a game, trust me, I know three minutes is a lot, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd like that one, Thomas. But I, I just that three minutes for a guy that plays that much ice time that's significant. That's like that's four shifts. If you're balancing your ice time properly, it's so. huge. I, I remember when, when I got traded my first time and I got traded a few times, but anyways, back to the first one, when I um, got traded to the Islanders and I got put on a line with Tavares and Ocposo with Oki, as you guys know, Oki well now, and that's probably the best line I've ever played on. But I remember two games in, I would look at my stat line and I'll be up at 22, 23, 24 minutes. And I didn't sniff that close with Lindy ever. And that Islanders team was good, not great. Goaltending was suspect, but we would lose so many games in the third period. And I would, you know, I think I was there for a week or two, like I said, four or five games. And I would, you know, I got to know, I knew Oki from Minnesota a little bit, not, not much, but I knew him a little bit. Didn't know, obviously, Johnny Tavares. Got to know him right away pretty good. And I would ask those two, I'm like, do you guys think you play too much? And they're like, no, it's awesome. He's like, we're loving it. He's like, our line's great. I'm like, yeah, our line is great. But I said, the last 15 minutes of a game, I said, man, we're gassed. Like a little bit less is more sometimes. And we did. And then we started to play a little bit less here. I think the coaches trusted another line a little bit more. And our numbers grew up all of a sudden. Uh, Instead of having seven, eight grade A chances, we would have 12, 14 chances. So uh, that's that's my whole point. That coaching matters. I don't think Dalin needs to be forced into this. Let's try him at every situation. I think you you can try him, but give him the back end of a PK, not the starting. Give him, you know, let him focus on five on five in the O zone. I mean, to me, another takeaway from last night is that power play was horrendous, in my opinion. It wasn't, I mean, it's game one, it's early, but you have practiced power play every day in camp, every day in camp. And I, I don't think it was. What didn't was you great. like about it? What did you, did you, are you talking about both power plays? Well, I thought the second one was actually better than the top units. So <laughs> why I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and again, and that happens. It's, it's good to have two units that can play, but I thought that first unit, especially, I, I don't think they, you know, that they were almost out of sync or they had, you know, um, plays in their head, like predetermined and stand that you can't do that on the power play. I think on the power play and I've been a power play guy, these predetermined plays are shit. I mean, you just got to go in and you got to, whatever the team gives See you, you got to take. Yeah. And I think they were forcing plays and hopefully they can learn from it and be better tomorrow. You brought up coaching. Don Granato got an extension. Thoughts on the extension. Um, I've had, you said you've listened. I've had my thoughts. Craig has his just curious to know what your thoughts were. Uh, I like it. I mean, it, it goes hand in hand because, you know, Kevin got an extension as a GM, which was well-deserved. And what usually happens when a GM gets an extension, he, you know, brings the coaching staff along with him. So he's tied to the team for three more years. I'm going to bring my coach with him, especially they probably communicate well together. They like each other. So it's, and the way I look at it, you're in the professional business. If you want to fire him in a year, a year and a half, they have enough money to fire him. It doesn't count against the cap. So I think it's just a, a buddy system in, in pro sports in general. I think that the GM gets an extension. The coach is going to get one with him. 
especially. Do you think he deserves it though? That's the question. Do you think he? Do you think Don Granato has done enough in his in his sample size as a coach here to to garner an extension? From what he has been given, for sure. I think. I mean, you. It's it's always easy to judge or hard to judge coaches, but when you don't have a number one goaltender, when you don't have enough good players, I mean, it's hard to coach and hard to get 40 wins when you don't have enough players. I mean, you think the guy in Arizona, like you bring Barry Trotz to Arizona, is, is Barry Trotz going to take them to the finals? A really good coach or make the playoffs or be close to the playoffs? I don't think so. That roster is shit. So I think what what Donnie has done with the roster given, I think he's done a really good job. Now the That's next step why... is, is uh, can they take the next step? The ne- I don't think that's a playoff team close, but the next step is can you coach Thompson up again to score, be a 30-plus goal scorer? Same with Skinner. Same same with, you know, all you name it down the line. That's, that's coaching. It's not about wins and losses with that team right now. To me, it isn't. It's about so what is so you, you being the guy that has put up those kind of numbers. What's Don Granado mm-hmm. got to do to get that out of those players? Well, put him in the right situations, right? I mean, it's it's. Uh, I thought Middlestad played really well yesterday. You got to continue to find out can he be, you know, a, a legit center in this league that can score close to twenty and then put up forty assists. And if not, then the tough decisions start not from, you know, coaching, but from on top, do you move on? I mean, that top line to me is not a top line. I mean, I don't know how you guys look at it, but I looked at that yesterday and I'm like, that's not a top line. I mean, I watched the Rangers. I watched other games. I'm like, that's a legit top line. You can throw them out and they're going to put pressure on the other team. That top line. What are they lacking? I, I think they lack... I mean, Olofsson had two goals in the empty net, but that's a guy I would have replaced with someone like um, the guy from Dallas who scored two, uh, played in Florida, Marchman. Marchman. That's a guy I would have went after hard. I mean, still, I don't know his age. I think he's younger. I thought he was in the playoffs. He was great. He's got size. He can shoot. I mean, you, you put that guy where Olofsson is, I think now you got close to a number one line, at least uh a, a line that can produce scoring chances on a nightly basis. I don't think that line, I mean, they'll score some goals, but I don't think they'll be great. The only way, I mean, unless they put tuck back on there, but then it takes away from another line. Yeah. yeah but they so just you, signed, they just signed Tage to a $50 million. You know, all about $50 million deals. And they just signed him to a $50 million contract. I, I mean, why, why wouldn't they try to do everything they can to get him back to that point? And that's it. I mean, I I don't hate the signing. I know you you are on the side of of wait and see. They see him every day. I mean, his I mean, what is he six seven? Yep, two twenty right now. I I don't know. I mean, he he doesn't still looks like so skinny out there to me. I mean, but obviously, you know, the, the Sabers they they must project him to hopefully get to two forty five, two fifty, and get more powerful, but. I mean, he's got a release you can't teach. He he can score. I know his shooting percentage was way up high, which that will come down naturally because he can't keep that up. But he's a shooter. So what does a shooter need? He needs a guy who can dig in the corners, get him pucks to opportunities where he can get two, three, four grade A chances on a nightly basis. 
And right now, I don't think that line has that. You scored 46 in your second year. So what's the next year like? Like Tage Thompson puts up 38. Now the whole league hears about him. What was the next year like for you? What's the next year like for him? Well, don't answer that question. Yeah. Or maybe maybe you're going to like this question better than mine. But I want to know how you felt going into the year, which would have been after your second year. How did you feel? What was the pressure like on you as a young player signing for $50 million? Like, how he just, is he that? He just Derek like, Royed me, Vanner. He he toppered me. I, he had, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the contract didn't, didn't matter to me at all. I think it mattered to the fans, the media, probably Lindy, since he brought it up to me a few times. But to me, <laughs> it didn't matter at all because I knew my abilities and I knew how I could score in this league. So it, it, it's, there was no pressure on my side. I mean, why is there pressure? I mean, I just signed for 50 million and my family's set for life. I can pay for dinners on the road for guys. And then it's, it's, thank you. So by to the me, way. That, that was just a, a bonus. There was, that's not pressure. There was no pressure. I, I, the way I looked at it and I never really talked about this because it's such a dumb question always. And I understand why, the media asked it is like, you know, how many goals do you expect to score this year? Well, I don't know as many as I can. I mean, it's just a dumb question, but in my head, and I've talked this now with other kids uh, who I'm trying to help out or whatever is, especially the older, not at the youth level, but I always mapped out goals. I mean, I knew I was good in front of that. I knew I was good in the power play and tip. I'm like, those are, those should be 15, 20 goals right there for me. That's easy. And then I knew I had a good shot from, especially on my right side, that little slapper I had. And I'm like, that's another five goals right there. And then you probably get the random breakaway. So that's another. So, so that's, you got 25, 30 goals right there mapped out. Now you got to find a way. How can I score five more, six more, seven more to get to that 35 plus all the time? So that that's how I kind of mapped out my seasons year by year, but I never, I Did anyone teach you to think like that? Any other goal scorers, or is that just something that you came up it's with? It's the first time I've ever heard someone say that. Yeah. I map mine out too. Every couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one taught me that. I just, I just kind of, you know, I, I think it was my first or second year in juniors when I was 16. I'm like, man, I'm, you know, because I was good in front, but it's not that that's not where I played growing up, but because usually your better players in youth hockey, they don't play in front of the net. They, they play on the side of the net, and they're your guys who hold the puck and blah, 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 blah. But once I got to juniors, I was a young kid. We had a lot of older kids, you know, 18, 19-year-olds. I was 15, 16, and I just kind of got stuck. You know, they're like, okay, you want to play in the power play? You go in front. So I got really good or, you know, worked on my tipping and, and redirections and came up with all this type of different shit. But then I was probably, I don't know, I was 17 or eight, maybe heading into college. That's when I was like, man, I do like it in front and I'm going to map out my goals. And that's, and I did that for the rest of my career. How accurate were you every season? Uh, like when you well, were mapping I mean, them, when you were mapping them out year by year, how many were you calculating? Would you, would you get to 30 and then, you know, something yeah, I mean, like, it, it, to, to, to me, I mean, it's, it's. 25 plus is, is it was a minimum for me every year when I knew I was the power play guy and I knew I was getting the ice time 
that I was getting. I mean, as my career went older, I mean, the goal was always 20. I mean, the last five years when I, you know, some nights played 10 minutes, 12 minutes. And so that's, minutes. that's you coming up with those numbers because based on your ability and, and what, what opportunities, you know, you're going to be given, that's not contract pressure that you're talking. There's about. no contract pressure. It didn't matter. You know, my last year in Detroit, when I was making two, I wanted to score close to 20. I knew I was getting, you know, second, second PP time and, you know, five on five, I was playing eight, nine minutes. So obviously the expectations can't be 30. The expectations is let's, let's get to 20 and help this team win, be a good leader, help these young kids, you know, the Larkins and then the Mantas who were there at the time. And um, so, so, so the goal was mapped out differently, but in, in my prime, like a Tage Thompson prime, I mean, his, his thought process has to be 25 plus every day. I mean, that, that, so let me ask it. you this question. And, 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 and again, this is, we've, we've, I've talked to many people and, you know, people right now um, look at Tage Thompson. Okay. He scored uh, a 38 goal a year. And now everybody thinks that he's going to get back to 38 goals every single year. And I'm like, no, I, I, I was listening to a show where they were talking about what's the over under for Tage Thompson for goals. And I think the goal, the over under was 32 and I, and everybody, Oh yeah, he's definitely going to get more than 32. He's a, he's a, he's a great goal scorer. I'm like, is he, he's done it once in his NHL career. I, yeah, I would I, be thrilled if I, I said, if he could get 27 goals, I would be thrilled with 27 goals. Just, continue to add uh, a few more assists, you know, like 45, 50 assists. I'm like, now you got yourself a hell of a year, but I mean, it can't be unrealistic and you can't put dollar signs to goal scoring output. I mean, Tage Thompson is going to be a factor for this team in a lot of different ways. And it's going to be more than just scoring goals. Yeah, but you need goals out of him, ultimately. I yes. mean, you, you, yep. you pay a guy $50 million to score goals. Can he do other things? Do you need him to do other things? You probably do because they have him playing at center. I, I don't think he's a center. I think you give him $50 million to score goals, and he's he should be playing with a legit center who can get him get the, the puck. puck. I would like to see him. I mean, like I said earlier, he's got a great shot. I would like to see him get to the net more with that size and get better at those rebounds. But that's hard when you're a center. That's usually not where centers end up. So how many centers in this league score 30 plus goals? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, usually your top goal scorers in this league are wingers because they end up around the nets. They end up in those great A scoring chances. And your center is usually the guy who they don't work as hard. But you can just say it. Rib doesn't respect wingers. <laughs> I, well, I, I'm not arguing. It's compared to a easiest. center, a center's skating 200 feet. He is battling much harder than any winger, and wingers get into the defensive zone. And it's about being structurally sound. It's about you know biding your time when to explode, overload out of the zone, stuff like that. You have a center down in the corner digging with the defenseman. They're using much more a lot more energy than, than what wingers do. That's all I'm saying. It's a harder job. That's why, that's why centers centers in this league are valued more than anybody in the entire game. And that's why you need them to win the game. 
And I, 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 a winger is the easiest job in hockey, 100%. And that's my whole point. If Thompson is a 25, 30 plus goal scorer, how many centers scored that many goals? I can't think of anyone right now on top of my head. Zabanajet. How many goals did he have last year? I'm going to say 37. Yeah, he's a stud. That's one. Um, and how many of those were in the power play, though, where the Matthews. center is not a center? Huh? <laughs> I, get, I, I get, I totally get what you're saying. Like, yeah. you can start, I can start picking off guys off the top of my head, you know, Dreisaitl, uh, McDavid, Matthews, you know, but Matthews? Maju- right? Is, is he playing center? Yeah, he's a centerman. Okay. <laughs> so, all I'm saying is, I totally get what you're saying because once you start to get down into the league, um, your 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 top goal scorers are usually going to be your wingers. Well, Ovi's yes. the prime example of that in the last 15 years. Well, Ovi did the kid last night in Ottawa who played with Kaner. Why can't I the, think of the Brinket? The Brinket, yeah, right. I mean, well, Patrick Kane. Yes. I mean, there's another one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. To me, it's a good contract, but I think he needs help. And I think that line right now is is not great. Okay, so they have some young guys in the lineup, Jack Quinn. And I I, I yes. So in 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 previous shows, I'm not sure if you've heard that or not, but I, I have I've looked at his numbers in Rochester and obviously playing with you. And then I look at him and I just I see a massive similarity, Thomas, in terms of goal production. I know you went to college and he played junior, but I'm sure you would have put up 40 or 50 in junior. No problem. What kind of expectations do you think the Sabres should have on Jack Quinn's contributions to this team this year? Well, I think, I mean, for him making the team and how many goals he scored in in the minors, he's obviously a goal scorer. I think that the expectations is it's got to be 20 goals. That's, I, I think that's very realistic. But it's only realistic if the opportunity is there. I mean, I, I watched last night. I didn't see much of him, but then I checked. And how many minutes did he play yesterday? Thirteen. Uh, I don't even think it was that. Of what? I mean, maybe it didn't look like it. I barely I'll tell you again, right now. Yeah, uh, Quinn played eleven twenty-five. And how much of that was uh, on the power play? Zero. A zero. It's tough for a young guy when you don't get puck touches, when you don't get a little bit of power play time to find a groove and this, I mean, it's, it's then, then realistically, if if he's going to stick at 11 minutes, five on five, no way he gets 20 in my opinion. Then he's closer to what was your ice time in 0506, your rookie year, you scored 25. I don't know. I mean, I think it didn't start out good. I don't think I scored until 15, 16 games in. Yeah, I, like I said, I, it took me a long time to score that first one. And then once once I scored that first one, you know, you kind of like, okay, I knew I could do this. And then you, but I, I don't you remember know. back that far. Were you getting power play time and stuff? Yeah, like that? I, I mean, yeah, I was I was getting power play time. I was playing, you know, in the second unit and we would get, you know, the last 40 seconds or so. But I think once maybe, you know, past January and there was injuries and all of a sudden I jumped on the first PP and your opportunities grow. But again, this team is different because we had really good players in 05, 06. I don't think we had the Sabres team now. You can't compare. That's that's. You have a bunch of young guys who are still trying to establish themselves. So 
that's where the Sabres need to figure out. Is this kid going to play? Is he a player? Well, then he needs to find an ice time on the power. Well, play. let me let me ask you this. So you have Alex Tuck. Yeah. You have Thompson, Olofsson, Skinner, Middlestat, Cousins, Oposo, mm-hmm. and Krebs. Yeah. Those are eight forwards. Four on each unit mm-hmm. are playing on the power play because mm-hmm. now you have Darlene and Power as your two defense, uh, two defensemen on the power play. Where is Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka supposed mm-hmm. to get these minutes? Like if you're not going to have these young studs in the power play, you got to mm-hmm. break some hearts. That That's my point, right? Do you Paterka and Quinn who are good young snipers can't find a spot in the top eight. Then it's is it is it good then to be on the Sabers or would it be better to play another year in the minors well, and let them score fifty and wait you know, until it's next year? It's very early, right? It's, it's very, very early. It, yes, it's, it is early. But I mean, I watched a little bit of Seattle as well, and with that Shane Wright, yeah, and he played six minutes on the power play. No, total. I think game one. I think he played six minutes, and then last Come night, I'm on. He was a healthy scratch. He's going back to junior for sure. He's going back to juniors because that team is probably the most approved team in the league. I only watched the bits and pieces, but I like that team. They they were moving the puck. They they were they they're going to be much much better than last year. They got some players. I mean, they have some depth now at forward. Well, they just beat uh, uh, the the Kings four one. Yeah, and I watched, like I said, I watched a little bit of that, and they are a much better team. I think they, they should have won the first game if Grubauer plays better. But again, my whole my whole point is that Shane Wright is Shane probably, Wright didn't know, even play in that game. He didn't play. It was a healthy scratch. So he's the best thing for that kid is just go back and, and play. And my whole point is is Quinn and Paterka, they NHL players. Yeah, they are. But is it good? To be in the NHL and play 11 minutes and none of those on the power play? Probably not. So at some point, when you have too many young players, you got to make a decision. Which young players are we going to keep? Are we going to? And that's, that's, I think that's what this season is all about. Can Olofsson play? Can a middle step play? Can so-and-so play? If not, you got to start moving guys out. Well, I mean, I mean, look, like you say that too. And I look and it's like Krebs. Krebs could be, I, I have high expectation for Krebs, but I mean, he's another guy that could be American League, League eligible. You got Dylan Cousins, who actually looked pretty good last night, but he's another yep. guy that could be American League eligible. I, I just, yeah, but at the end of the day, you only have one puck out there. And when you have eight or nine projected young guys who are skilled, uh, that might be too many, in my opinion. Well, you know what? I, I th- th- it's a great conversation about uh, you know Paterka because I'm going to tell you, man, he made some nice plays last night. He made a backhand sauce pass across the ice in the offensive zone. I don't, I don't know if you remember that, but it was hit the vision on that and be able to make that play a, a backhand hard sauce across the ice was just fantastic for for a. Uh, a scoring opportunity. He was super. You know, you got to give these guys, you got to give these young guys a little bit of time, a little bit of, you know, opportunity to get acclimated. They need to kind of dig down and practice and, and earn 
that respect from the coach and because the coaches already know that they're super skilled. They already know that they have the ability to score and produce points. Now they want to see if they're going to go out and try and actually earn a spot. So you have to, the minutes that you're going to play that 1125 and uh, what a Paterka play 1155, those minutes have to be special hard minutes so you can make your point to the coach. But I agree again with with what with Vanner in the sense that if these guys are not going to be playing on the power play, if they're not going to be put in situations to succeed, then I wouldn't have them playing 11 and a half million, uh, minutes a night here in in Buffalo. I would have them playing 22 minutes a night in Rochester. Vanner, what, what about other stories around the NHL? Yeah, I think Pitt is. I think Pitt's going to be right there again. I know they're older, but uh, they're not going away. I, I think if Jari can stay healthy, I think they'll be one of the better teams in the East. I think the Rangers, I watched a little bit of that because they played the Wild here. That team's going to be really good. If that team can stay healthy, they're going to be on top of the East. I think there's, they just, they're, they're good. I mean, they are super deep in, in high-end talent. And a great goalie, and a great goalie. It always starts with goaltending out. And I who's think, their goalie, um, Riff? It's a <laughs> That's right. That was good. So yeah, I mean, and then Edmonton is is, is still to me a uh, a two player team, and I don't know if that's that's good enough or not. I have no idea. I think time will tell how how Campbell settles in. Um, the Leafs watched a little bit of them. They look like they're struggling right now, but again, it's only two games in. I think biggest well, they won last mark. night. Come on, man, give them a, give them a little credit. They went and dropped the ball to the uh, the old Habitant there and uh, got spanked in their first game. Yeah, Montreal, what a, what like couldn't Montreal. be any better for a Montreal Canadian having the Toronto Maple Leafs, this mighty power of a team, come into their their little building and uh, they pulled her out, but you know, Toronto got back on, uh, on the, on the good rails there. They beat uh, Washington uh, uh, last night. And listen, I mean, I think Toronto is going to be a pretty good team. I think they're going to, I don't even have to say the word, figure it out. I think they have it figured out. Um, I think they're going to be a, a top team in the East this year and a team that, uh, I think it's going to be a pretty tough team to beat. Van, can Matthews score 60 again? 100%. I mean, you 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 can't. But he has his ability to score, his ability to find open ice and the player he plays with around him. There's, I mean, it's, it's he can score 60 for sure. It's not even a question. I mean, do you need some bounces, obviously, as a goal scorer? You do. But, I mean, he's going to have a streak at some point during the season where in seven, eight games, he's going to have 15, 16 goals because he's that good. He can find open ice and he's smart. And like I said, then then he's got great players around him. So uh, that's a good recipe of scoring 50 plus goals. Is he the best current goal scorer right now? 100%. Is there anyone that can really compete with his ability you know, like I, I look at Austin Massey and I think to myself, like he's he's just a, a player that is going to score minimum minimum 50. That's how good he is. He is so elite. Is there any other player that you can put in that category right now? Well, I don't know if you saw oh. Elliot Friedman's interview with Dreisaitl, but Dreisaitl told, were mm-hmm. you just going to reference that, Vanner? I, I wasn't going to reference Elliot, but that's, that's the only guy 
who is so similar, who, uh, you know, maybe even a little bit more powerful than Matthews because of his broad shoulders and his legs and his, his, the way he can shoot the puck. But I think you put, you know, he's got McDavid right now. That's it. But as far as a pure goal scorer, I think Dreisaitl is probably the next guy behind him. Well, I wasn't even going to say him for that because Dreisaitl actually told McDavid, because I guess they have a pretty good relationship, the two of them. He said, you're that good. You should be scoring 60 goals a year. That's what he told him. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that McDavid, he, he can score 50, 60. He can score 70 if he wants to. But I think with, with the way that team is built, he's got to do so many different other things that that will be tough. I mean, if he had a Marner and then and a Nylander and guys like that, where he would not have to be getting the puck in the corners all the time, then McDavid scores 60 or 70 because that guy's a, I mean, he's, I've never seen a player like him. The speed, the greatest player to ever don skates. It's, 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 you can't even argue it. Okay. We can sit here, talk about Wayne Gretzky and Mary Lemieux. Can you say greatest talent, not greatest player? Yeah, I would have to agree with talent. He's by far the greatest talent. Yes. It's not the greatest player. Just trying to figure out what that really means. Why don't you explain it to him, Thomas, since you seem to understand what I'm saying? Well, as far as his ability to do with the puck, I've never seen it before at at that high level of speed. I mean, you brought up Eric Lindros the other day, the greatest player you said you played against. is The way he plays is a completely different style. Then McDavid, but man, was he a dominant play. I agree with you. I loved watching him. Peter Forsberg, when I was a kid, I was like, holy crap. What these guys can do is pretty special. But none of those guys, they played a different style than what McDavid plays. But what McDavid plays and the stuff he can do, I mean, that guy can stick handling a phone booth 100 miles per hour. Right now in the league... You have Nate McKinnon, who McDavid's going to outscore him by 20, 30 points probably every year. But I'm not going to sit here and say for sure that I would take McKinnon, but I, I think I might take McKinnon over over Connor McDavid if we're playing a one game. He's just as fast. I mean, he, yeah. like, how how many points would Connor McDavid have if he played with uh, Rantanen and Langdeskog? The same amount. I don't no, think he it changes. Wouldn't. No, I, I don't way, know. He, he plays with dry sidle all the time. He no, plays he doesn't. A ton. He very they played the rarely... other night together. As soon as they uh, were down, they played together. Okay, but he, he... Nate McKinnon plays with uh, Landis Gog and Rantanen every single night. Rantanen is a 90-plus point hockey player. He is insanely talented. Mm-hmm. Langdis Gog is is a guy that puts up 75 points a year and scores uh, 30 goals. He's he's fast. He's physical. He goes to the hard areas. He's digging pucks out. He does everything. This line is insane. OK, Connor McDavid is is literally got a revolving door of players over the last, you know, five years that he's played with. Okay. Who's the constant. Don't tell me it's dry because dry the team sucks so bad in Edmonton that they can't put the two guys together because right. yeah, they don't have enough depth. So they, they play on individual lines. If they're down they're in the still in period. on a lot of points together throughout the season. I mean, if you go look at the score, sheet every point, night, 
Could you imagine if Connor McDavid played with a Rantanen and a Langdeskog every night like McKinnon? He'd have 170 points. I don't know. It's just the way that. it is. Like, it's, I mean, it's maybe, but again, it's that that to me is 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 not the the tail. You think we Wayne Gretzky about. has three thousand points? But again, like Van just said, that, that's Curry. not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking right. now. No, we're talking points about, and teammates. I don't understand what you mean between greatest talent, and greatest player, greatest player. I mean, like there is a legitimate uh, question mark on Connor McDavid's. 200 foot game. Whereas a Sidney Crosby, I, I love the yeah, way okay. Sidney Crosby plays. I mean, yeah. he's everywhere on the ice and it's not just about him, even though it ends up always being about him. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, point taken and, and good clarification of it because I, I look at Connor McDavid, like he's the greatest player to ever put the skates on what he does on the ice, the speed in which he skates, the the level of his thinking, his ability to move at an ungodly speed, stop, pivot, and turn. We haven't seen guys like him. We've never seen guys like him. And yeah. he, he's he's literally a special talent. He's he's something that um is as far as I'm concerned, he is he's the best player to put on skates and and do what he does on a nightly basis. Now, okay. is he the is he the greatest player like you're talking about? No, he's not the greatest player, um, but he's the greatest talent. Yeah, I, and I think because Patrice Bergeron fair. comes to mind when I'm talking about the greatest one of the greatest players that I played against. I, I mean, Patrice Bergeron is a special player. I mean, he is he is yes, just he is. In, in, in so many levels of the game, point producing, defending, leadership, like it's just everything. So, yeah, no, he's, he's definitely the, the greatest talent that I've seen. But, you know, the conversation, I know you guys had it several times. Like, do I pick McDavid? Do I pick Mc, McKinnon? Do I pick McCarr? It is just, I mean, now we're talking about, or Matthews, put Matthews in there. I can't forget him. Crazy, they all start with the last name. Uh, the last le- uh, last name right, starts with right. M. A. But you know, I mean, the question is always, you know, if you're a GM and, and you get one of those to start a franchise, which one do you take? Does it really matter? Craig's blown away at that at the simple fact that he just came to the conclusion that all their names start with M. <laughs> I had to go over all their names. Uh, all of them start with M. I'm like, okay, just wait a second here, McDavid. I had to go yeah. through all of them, and all four of them are starting with an M. So that's like, I mean, that's a leg up right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Uh, uh, so anyways, does, does it matter which which one of those four M's you take? If you're GM Ruffs, you're, 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 you get the Coyotes tomorrow. They give you the team. Uh, yep. Batman says you get one player. Here's your four choices. It, I, it's for me. It's not even close. Like it is literally not even remotely close. Connor McDavid is absolutely 100% clear cut guy. I would I would take the second pick, the second overall pick. If I'm picking second, now I've got to think. Am I picking an Austin Matthews? Am I picking a Drysital? Am I picking, uh, you know, Petey's boy? Kale Makar, best player in the league, right? I mean, McKinnon. Now you're now things get a little bit tougher if you're if you're choosing for a franchise player that second second player that second pick. But McDavid is number one for me. I just I just think he's just he, he is a highlight film 
every single time he plays the game. He's that dynamic. I'm not disagreeing because I, I would, but if I'm sitting there, I'd be like, put all four, you know, or put dry sidle. No, I put him on as number five and I love him too. But um, I would just say, give me any of those four, put, put them all in a hat, pick it out. Each one of them I can live with just fine. Jaw dropping analysis today by you. When it went for me, when it comes to listening to you talk about how you broke down or what did you, what did you call it? Mapped out your goals. I fuck. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible stuff today, man. Thanks for joining us. Hey, fun being back. Riff, anything to say? Like, how about a fuck? Well, he can you? be better. Let's, I'm not going to say that he, <laughs> he can be better. I had two months off. Give me some time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See you, man. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.